Board Round, session number three. The moment you step foot on campus as a medical student, you are gearing up for one of the biggest tests you'll ever have to take, USMLE Step 1 or Comlex Level 1. The medical school headquarters and board vitals are going to help you prepare for your first board exam with questions, pearls of information, and guidance to make sure you have what it takes to score high and match into your specialty of choice. Welcome to Board Rounds. Thank you for taking some time to join us today. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. I'm joined by Dr. Andrea Paul from Board Vitals. Last week, we covered all about what exactly the USMLE Step 1 and Comlex Level 1 are. This week, we're going to dive into when you should start preparing for these exams. The, the, the Step 1, Level 1 are going to be one of the most important pieces in your residency journey. And so we need to make sure that you're preparing as best as possible. And that includes when you start doing that. Andrea, back for some more board rounds. A couple episodes ago, or last episode, we talked a little bit about when students should potentially start thinking about using board vitals specifically. I think that was episode one when we were introducing the the podcast. And today I want to dive into uh, how students should prepare for these board exams for step one for level one when it comes to their their med school process right they're in med school they're they're drinking from a fire hose as they say and now we're we're like throwing this huge eight-hour exam at them saying hey maybe you should start thinking about this too so uh, i want to dive into to preparation for these board exams Uh, not specifically board vitals right we're biased here we want people to look at board vitals but but from a more uh, general overview of the whole preparation process for these board exams where should a student be starting and thinking about this stuff? Yeah, I think, I mean, you'll, you'll hear, and every med student will hear different opinions from like their seniors and their, their you know, professors and attendings. But um, I think it's just like when you approach any other thing, that, any other challenge that you know, you've faced. And obviously, if you've gotten into medical school, you've gotten through a lot of different um, exams and, and other uh, hurdles, and so you just have to sit down and start with just setting a goal. What what specialty are you planning to apply to, or would you like to be able to apply to? And what was the minimum score that you would feel you know is acceptable or competitive for those areas? And so whatever that is, you know, it's good to just sit down, put that in writing somewhere where you can see it, and really you know focus on that that goal to start with. Um, I think a lot of times just saying, well, I just want to get the highest score I can get is it's great. And of course you want to get the highest score you can get, but maybe seeing that actual number and, and striving for that is, is pretty helpful. Um, it's a smart goal, right? The specific and miserable and attainable. It needs exactly. to be specific, not just a high score. What's that number? Make it specific. Yeah. And that'll it's supposedly helps you get your, your uh, goals better. I think so. <laughs> then, then, of course, you have to look you know, at your schedule, your um, calendar, depending on what school you're at or what you, what else you have going on, because we all have lives um, outside of studying. Um, how many days do you have? How many hours do you have on those days? So look at your schedule and see what, you know, what time do you have available or what time do you want to dedicate to studying? Um, and then really sticking to that is, is really important. So not saying, oh, I'll put off this day and move it to here. Like really, if you set something, look at it as, you know, you know, as your clinical rotations or anything else that you're com- you've committed to be there and be be present and work hard during those hours. Um, 
you know, I always have some flex days, I would say, mm. uh, especially toward the end um, where you may say I'm burnt out, I'm done. And you want to take the test a little early or you might, you know, need some extra time. Um, How does that work, though? Because students are are in medical school right, learning biochemistry in two weeks versus a whole semester that they had in undergrad. And it seems like they're swimming in their textbooks and notes, and there's there's no time to prepare for these exams, which is why schools are giving dedicated time. And so students are just like, I'll just wait until that dedicated time. Uh, how are, are students supposed to start integrating this stuff earlier if they can't even catch up on the work that they're supposed to be doing for their classes? Yeah, I think, I mean, if, you've, if you're starting out your first year and you know you want to go into a competitive area and you're going to need that high uh, step one score, then you need to start uh, scheduling in some dedicated time during all of those classes um, or during when you're you know having those classes. So if you're doing biochemistry, then you need to carve out an hour or so you know, on a few days a week where you're going to do biochemistry related questions on your, you know, USMLE um, prep materials. And so if you get too bogged down in what you're learning in class, which may be very different from what's on the uh, step one, you won't be able to tie those things together. If you start making those connections early saying, okay, this is straight biochemistry that I'm learning in lecture, but here is how that biochemistry translates into, you know, a clinical correlation on it in a vignette or in a uh, USMLE question. That's when those connections will start to be made. And that actually helps you down the road. And is that something Board Vitals does? I can log into my Board Vitals account to go, okay, right now I'm studying biochem. Show me all the biochem type questions. Yeah, I think most, you know, most materials, if you look at, you know, any USMLE uh, books or, or question banks, et cetera, you're able to kind of narrow it down by, you know, body system or science, you know, area of basic science so that you can start to, to gain that knowledge that you need to do that type of test as opposed to the straight you know, definitely straight science focus that you'll have in your classroom. Yeah. So students going through the process of a first year learning this stuff, they, they want to go into a super competitive program. They see that they need a, a 240, 245 on, on step one. I don't know what the equivalents are for complex. Maybe I should learn those since we're doing a, a board podcast now. Um, what, uh, what would you say is something that's top scores are doing routinely to to be able to get those scores so you know i think it's starting early um and starting to think in the way that the these board exams test um from an an early time and so if you're looking at biochemistry as straight biochemistry you're not going to be thinking of it in a way that your your mind can start to take in that knowledge you're learning in lecture uh, the right way you know start to prepare yourself early um, I think also just thinking about it early, setting those goals early on, not waiting till, you know, you're in the study period and seeing, oh, well, I'm not scoring that well. So maybe I need to change my long-term plans like that. That would be, you know, an unfortunate way to do it. Um, so definitely having those goals set and knowing what kind of scores you need and, and testing yourself frequently to see if you're, you know, if you're getting to that, um, you know, that score you need um, or even, you know, approaching it at least as you continue to prepare. Uh, it's probably the most important thing that students can do. Now, hearkening back to the MCAT days, students will hoard three different MCAT textbook sets 
from three different companies and and look at QBanks from all of these different companies. When a, a med student is out there, one of the the most well known products is first aid. Everybody's like, you sh- you need first aid for <laughs> step one for level one. Are there any benefits for students to go out and get first aid, get a, another book out there for step for step one, level one, and and really gather all of these resources together? Should they find what works well for them and stick to that? So, so I'm obviously biased somewhat against <laughs> um, paper um, textbooks because I feel like they're they're not always the most um, user friendly, and so. Yeah. When you're, you know, you're looking up a piece of information in a textbook, it it, it is what what is written, um, but there is no way to kind of tailor that to specifically what you're trying to learn. And so maybe there is a paragraph on, some, you know, something related to what you're learning, but you're not getting any feedback as to, you know, have you absorbed it? Are you thinking about it in the right way? Um, and so I really like I really like online resources first of all because they're you can take them anywhere and you don't have to um, break your back carrying, you know, a set of books around, but also because of that customizability that you can, you can customize it to what you're learning and, and see if you're thinking about things the way you need to be. So when I took step one way back in the day, I was studying with my girlfriend at the time, now wife, uh, we met first week of med school and she never went to class and would would read the notes and study on her own and write tons and tons and tons. And we still have notebooks from from all the notes that she took in med school. And that's how she prepared for step one. And so I tried to emulate that and and do what she did. And it didn't work very well for me. And it's funny because I go online and and I'll see a student uh, on, on like Reddit in the med school section talk about how they they got 99th percentile on step one. And what's the first question that everybody asks? How did you study? I, mm-hmm. I want to do what you did, right? If you think of photography of, of a famous photographer, the first question that uh, a wannabe photographer asks is, well, what, what kind of camera do you have? Because that must be what worked, right? That's, that's how you have the beautiful picture. It's the camera. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's what <laughs> students think when they see, oh, 99th percentile. However you studied, it must be the right way. Tell me how you did it so I can can copy that. Uh, what are you seeing from, from that standpoint as far as how students are studying from one student to another? So, I mean, we spend a lot of time with, with our team looking at all of the data as to how people prepare um, and other, what other factors um, factor into their scores and you know, how that preparation and, and background information um, leads to you know, whatever the conclusion of their um, exam is, so whatever the score they end up with. Um, so it's, it's pretty interesting data. So most, I mean, most students start studying for step one during their preclinical curriculum now. So, so it used to be that, you, you know, like you said, you wait until that dedicated period of time starts. But actually now most people do start during their first year of medical school. And then obviously intensity of studying increases during that dedicated study time. So most students now are averaging about 11 hours of studying per day for step one, and that's for about 35 days. Um, so, I mean, that's an incredible number of hours to study for one. <laughs> that's, that just makes me hurt thinking about that. Yes. 
And so there is, I'm sure there is some um, bias in, in that data and that people always think they studied more um, than they did. That's all self-reported, so, not from data that you have of them using your system? This is uh, like nationally. So this okay. is national data. Um, and so this is self-reported national data, yes. Okay. Um, and then, and so when you look at that and, and you look at, you know, our user base, so most of our uh, students will complete about 4,000 practice questions during their that stu- amount of study time. Um, it's it's an incredible amount of uh, just of knowledge and information to take in mm-hmm. um, condensed in such a short time. Um, but the most interesting piece of data uh, looking at some of these national studies is that the number of days that people studied did not correlate with their scores. And so I think most people think, oh, I need more days and more weeks to mm-hmm. study. Um, but in fact, that did not correlate with um, their scores. So that Right around the midpoint uh, was when the scores were highest, but actually, um, you know, going over too far over or under that number of days actually hurt uh, students. And so that's something I think a lot, not a lot of people consider. I think they just think more and more and more is, is better. Um, and so that's something to keep in mind is maybe not to go too overboard as well. And, and actually the highest correlation or strongest correlation with high scores is, um, is the number of practice questions they took and also their, their grades in school. And mm-hmm. so if you were a good student and had strong grades in medical school, um, that was a stronger indicator than um, whatever length of time you spent studying. Do you think that has to do more with just being a good test taker or more with if you did well in your med school classes, you have a stronger foundation to which you can build on for the test? It's a combination of both. So I think if you look at um, you know pre-meds as well and say, okay, look at their grades in um, their undergraduate courses and then look at their MCAT score. I mean, that probably all, nobody's looked at that data yet, but I'm sure that all carries through to also having um, strong grades in medical school and then a strong um, uh, score on the USMLE. And so I think it's really a combination of, you know, someone's uh, work ethic, being a good test taker. I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty complex um, set of data, but I'm sure it all, it all comes together somehow to, to get that same cohort of, you know, high grades and, uh, you know, high work ethic into the highest score category. Yeah. So. And effective studying, right? You talked about the longer somebody studies doesn't correlate with how well they're doing, but somebody may be studying for those 35, 40 days, whatever it is, but they have their phone right in front of them and they're on Instagram. 40 times a day and they're get texting their buddies and, and FaceTiming home and all this other stuff. And in the data out there, I don't know if you, you have the data on this, but the data that talks about like when you're interrupted with a text message or a ding of your phone, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it takes about what, 15, 20 minutes to get back into the flow of where you were before that interruption, exactly. even if it's a 15 second interruption. And so if you add three of those interruptions into an hour, it's like, well, that wasn't a very effective hour. No, no, exactly. And that's why, um, you know, we always tell people to simulate the test environment when they're, when they're, when you're in a question bank and doing questions, you are not going to have your phone. You're not going to have someone knocking on the door. You're not going to have any distractions. You're going to be sitting, you know, other than maybe whoever's in the room with you during the actual test. And so if you want to make the most of your study time, you leave that phone somewhere else or you turn it off and you try and simulate that same environment as much as you can. And that's the most effective way to study. It's hard when 
somebody's using board vitals, they're they're online on their computer, and it's so easy to just open up another tab or open up something else or oh look, my messages are right there. Mm-hmm. Do you do you guys recommend any sort of apps or anything that blocks the rest of the online world and so students can just focus on the board vitals user interface? Uh, besides willpower, <laughs> not specifically, um, but definitely, you know, we always tell people not to have other, you know, not to even, not even to have books or other things open, mm-hmm. keep a spreadsheet, maybe open on, you know, that's minimized while you're going through. And so that you can take notes. Okay. I need to look up this up afterwards, this up after, but it's best not to break up your actual studying in the question bank with looking up some side information that you may have thought of. So if you keep that little checklist of, okay, that these are, you know, really quick notes of what you need to go back or what you need to go and review more on. Um, otherwise, it's best not to. So just don't let yourself open up another tab or another window. Don't look at anything else. Have everything else shut <laughs> down on your computer. Um, it, it, it's, it's willpower, but, you know, it's, it's a month of your life. And yeah. I promise that it'll be worth it and you'll be glad that you didn't worry about um, know your social media for for a few days (laughs) yeah and there there are those apps out there uh i know for mac which is what i use um there's an app called focus i think where uh it will basically lock down your computer and depending on it with the settings that you want that you can't like quit the program without shutting off your computer and rebooting it um Mm -hmm. so it really forces you into these scenarios where uh, if you think willpower is an issue, which for me it is, uh, then then there are apps out there to help support you through this uh, journey as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and taking breaks, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, not expecting you're going to sit for 11 hours without you know, standing mm-hmm. up and looking around. So Yeah, so like classic Pomodoro technique of 25 minutes, five minutes uh, yeah. of off. So let's let's talk about that for a minute. So you talked about simulating the test environment. And a student new to the the board exams, they think of MCAT, and the best way to prepare for the MCAT is doing practice tests, actually sitting down for those seven and a half hours, eight hours uh, for the MCAT, going through all four sections and simulating a full-length exam. But it sounds like for the boards that it's different, that it's more questions and not necessarily full lengths. What does that look like? Well, I think because the test can pull from so, you know, a bank of you know, thousands of questions. And so there's any variety or mix of materials you can get. Um, and so just the sheer number of questions that you look at and, and practice um, will help you. And that actually is one of the strongest correlations with the high score. Um, and so I think looking at it as, you know, doing blocks of questions and doing it in different ways. So saying, okay, today, maybe in your schedule, you've said, okay, today I'm looking at cardiovascular system. And so doing, you know, a whole day of questions in that area that, that can work um, to do once in a while. And then it's also good to mix it up and have sort of the same experience where you're randomizing different material and your mind has to go to all those different places. When we talk about like doing practice tests, it correlates with, or not practice tests, with questions. It, the, your score correlates with how many questions you do. Is it just sheer number of questions or is there any sort of 
uh, technique or structure that you recommend students have when doing the questions and, and going through and saying, okay, uh, I got this one right. Why did I get it right? Did I guess on it? Did I, did I know the content? Uh, did I understand one part of it, but didn't understand another? Uh, or uh, here's the question I got wrong. Why did I get it wrong? What material do I need to cover a little bit more in depth? How do you recommend actually reviewing the questions? Because I, I would assume without the review part, then taking the, doing the questions is, is kind of useless. Exactly, exactly. And so the nice thing about, um, you know, our platform and, and most of them out there is that you can study in so many different ways within the same system. And so we allow for, you know, a test mode where you are not seeing the answers until you've graded the test. And then you can go back through and review everything, including the explanations afterward. Um, and then there's a review mode. And so what we usually recommend for people is to start in review mode where you answer the question and immediately can click a box to open the explanation and see, you know, if you're right or wrong and why. Um, and our explanations will go through each option, why it was or was not um, the correct answer. And so that's the best way when you're starting out because you're still kind of in the knowledge gathering more so than the assessment uh, phase of things, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then as you progress and you, you're seeing your scores get closer to your goal, um, that's when it's a good time to start going into test mode and doing more assessment and then just kind of checking and, and flagging things that you still haven't got, uh, managed to get to stick. Um, and so within our system as well, you can flag, say there's something that's just really tough and you're just not remembering a certain fact or something about that, that piece of content or question is important. So you can flag that and you'll have this pool of flagged questions that you can continue to go back to and unflag them once you have mastered it. So mm -hmm. people find that pretty helpful. And are there full-length simulations, or is it just, I'm going to sit down and do practice questions? So you can actually create any length um, of exam that you'd like in any format that you like. So you can set your own time. So if you want to limit the time to be you know, a realistic amount of time that you're hoping to not spend more than on each question, you can actually manually set that. So you say, I don't want to have more than 30 seconds or one minute or whatever it may be per question. Um, and so you'll have that where it will actually set that timer for you. And so you can really simulate a real uh, test environment in the same time constraints that you'll have on the, the real test day. What is the average number of time that students have for each question? So, it, you know, it varies, um, obviously, based on the size of the block. So USMLE and, and Comlex are different. They have different lengths of um, blocks of time per question. But uh, usually, you know, we tell people when they're studying to try and do a minute, a minute and a half question. You know, there are obviously going to be some that are very quick, um, more straightforward questions. You know, they answer right away and others that really take some uh, thought and crossing out some of the incorrect ones to get down to the right answer and maybe rereading it. So um, if you focus around that minute mark, um, that's definitely going to get you finished on time. What kind of differences do you see when it comes to what students are scoring with their their simulated tests before uh, their board exam and then the, the the score that they're getting on their real exam how, how much of a difference are you seeing with like real test day jitters coming into play I think it's uh, you know there's there are multiple factors that can affect and and that's one of the most common questions we get is how do I know is is this going to correlate with my score how can I predict what score I'm going to mm -hmm. get and of course um, 
everyone wants to be able to predict that, but there are so many factors that, um, you know, you can never fully simulate a real test environment. Yeah. Um, we can't fully simulate each person's knowledge of, on the specific topics they're going to get on that day. Um, and so those, there's always going to be variation. Uh, but I think if you're doing, you know, a good job of not letting yourself change the answers to questions um, after, you know, um, we see a lot of during study time that users, and it's fine, will say, oh, yeah, I did know that. And they'll change it to correct so that they don't have to review that one again. Um, but in the real test, obviously, that wouldn't be the case. <laughs> and so, so it, you know, it depends on how you're using it and how you are using the grading in the question bank to really predict score. But in general, I think if you're, you know, if you're scoring well, you're getting, you know, 80% or more correct, then you're really set to get a high score. Um, and everyone's hesitant to predict a specific score because of, you know, the variation involved and the stakes involved. And you don't want to overly reassure someone who maybe needs more help and maybe um, inflating their grades on your question bank by maybe changing answers or such. And other way around, you don't want to, um, you know, you don't want to tell someone they're prepared if they, they need a lot more uh, work. So, and we didn't have one. We didn't talk about it much uh, when we talked about kind of what the tests are, but we can cover it here. Uh, when you mentioned kind of you, you can't predict what questions the students are going to get for Comlex and USMLE. Are there set percentages that uh, will uh, w that a student will see on a test, like? It's going to cover ten percent physiology, five percent biochemistry, uh, all these different subject matters that are covered. Will the test be similar for every student with percentages of of different topics? So it it should be similar in terms of broad, um, you know, broad areas. But within those, we know there's so much variation. Um, so within cardiovascular, I mean, there's just I mean, there are thousands of potential questions that could be asked. Mm -hmm. And so um, just saying, well, I do well in cardiovascular doesn't mean that the set of questions you're going to get in that category are going to be on the areas that you know well. Um, and so that's why it's so, it's so tough to predict because there are always things that, you know, people are more interested in and drawn to study. Oh, I, I enjoy, you know, say they enjoy cardiovascular. So they focus there and they kind of boost their, their ego in that area. But maybe they've because of that they haven't focused on some of the things within that category that they don't know well um and so we see that a lot where where people say oh that was my favorite subject area so I, either they you know spent too much time on that area or maybe they said oh i already know it and i don't need to spend time on that area and so when they got to the test day it was heavily focused or they felt it was heavily focused on that area because maybe they weren't fully prepared um so it's you know it's it's tough to predict and obviously medicine is so broad and within each of these categories there's so many they have just so many uh, you know their database is so large mm -hmm. so you don't really know what you're going to get um that's why it's best to just do as many questions as possible and within even though the topic may not be exactly the same somewhere within that explanation or one of the wrong answer choices maybe is something that will stick and help you on a question um on the real uh, exam so <laughs> when you were saying that that life is you just don't know what you're gonna get is all I can think about is is Forrest Gump sitting there yeah. about, talking about a box of chocolates. I'm like, life is like a, a step one Q bank. Uh, <laughs> it really <you> know. is. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about we talked about uh, the a lot of the like nuts and bolts of the test and preparing for the test and how do we simulate all of that? 
to to best prepare for the test. What about other things like sleep hygiene and nutrition and hydration and all these other things that play a huge role in somebody's ability to do well? Yeah, it's, it's, so all of that is is super important, obviously, and it's it's also important to you know manage your life because, like I said, everyone has. Um, other things going on in their lives. A lot of medical students now have families and, and other um, responsibilities, com- commitments, even jobs and such. And so, you know, you need to try and make sure that dedicated study time is as dedicated, truly dedicated as possible. Um, and that means taking care of yourself, um, sleeping well, eating well, exercising. I mean, one of the, um, an interesting study that came out in the, in the K-12 to K through 12 uh, area, but definitely applies to you know, pre-meds and medical students as well, is that exercise, um, you know, 30 minutes of um, some kind of exercise, they looked specifically at running um, in the morning, increased their ability to absorb and retain knowledge throughout that entire school day. Um, and I think that really applies here too. So if you start your day, you know, doing something active, getting some fresh air, being outside, taking care of yourself after, you know, having a good night's sleep. I mean, you're, you're going to enhance your ability to retain knowledge so much more than, um, you know, sitting there for extra four or five hours. And I, I know that you listening, you're like, you're crazy. I don't have time for that. I, I don't have time to eat sometimes. And you're telling me I should exercise. I need, <laughs> I need to eat right. I need to sleep a lot. And, and I always, I, I love talking about, um, I think it's the Parkinson's principle where the amount of time that it will take you to do something will expand to the amount of time that you give it. Um, and so it really comes down to just being intentional about your day and scheduling your day to say, okay, I have three hours to do this one block of studying. Instead of sitting down and going, okay, I'm just going to study and it's going to take me however long it's going to take me and, and really blocking out your schedule to say, okay, I, I have to work out a half an hour in the morning and then I'm going to do this for three hours and this for two hours and really being intentional about your day to, to set yourself up for success. And rewarding yourself if you stick to it. I mean, that's, um, it's all for nothing if you don't feel good about it mm-hmm. and do something good for yourself at the end of that day. And so... Um, I think that's something, especially, you know, med students are, and residents are horrible at is, um, you know, recognizing what they've accomplished and, you know, giving them some type of reward, whatever it might be. If you enjoy, you know, go spend some time outside or, you know, watch a show or whatever, whatever, you know, gives you a, a feeling of, um, you know, that you've earned something uh, for working hard all day. All right. So there you have it. Now, you know, when you need to start preparing for your USMLE Step 1 Comlex Level 1. And if you need some help on that journey, please go check out Board Vitals at boardvitals.com. Their question banks are stocked with challenging questions to make sure you know everything that you need to know to get the score that you need to get the residency that you've always dreamt of. Track your progress and get advanced analytics to help direct your studying and use that data to make sure you're filling your head with all of the right information, right? We want to study evidence-based medicine. Their advanced analytics will help you study in an evidence-based way. With over 1,750 questions in their USMLE QBank and over 1,500 in their Comlex QBank, 
Board Vitals has you covered. Go to boardvitals.com today and get 15% off using the promo code BOARDROUNDS, all capital letters, BOARDROUNDS with no space, when you sign up. And when you sign up, Board Vitals will donate a vaccine to a child in need through the GiveVax program. Again, that's boardvitals.com and use the promo code BOARDROUNDS to save 15%. We'll see you next week here on Board Rounds. (laughs) 